Welcome to the CoinGecko Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Young. Each week, we'll be interviewing someone from the blockchain industry to learn more about this fast-moving cryptocurrency economy. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The CoinGecko Podcast is produced each week to help you stay ahead of the curve. Show notes can be found at podcast.coingecko.com. I highly encourage you to join our newsletter where we send out top news in the crypto industry every Monday to Friday. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter and Telegram at CoinGecko. Welcome to the CoinGecko podcast. For today's episode, we would love to welcome Ciara Sun, Head of Global Business and Markets, Vice President at Huobi. Huobi is one of the largest and earliest cryptocurrency exchanges that has been operating since September 2013. Ciara used to work in Boston Consulting Group, Deloitte, and Ernest & Young in Financial Analysis, Strategy Consulting, and Corporate Management. She advised many banking and capital market groups and performed investment analysis to support clients with billions of dollars of AUM. Welcome to the CoinGecko podcast, Ciara. Thank you. It's my honor to be here. Yeah, it's a great honor to have you on the show as well. I guess for my first question to you, right? Maybe can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? How do you get into the blockchain industry and how do you end up leading international growth for, for B? Yeah, sure. So like you said earlier, I was always in the traditional finance industry and I work in New York and in New York, you know, where consensus is, where the great blockchain community is. So I got a lot of exposure to digital assets and blockchain projects during my time in New York. So I quit and uh, started my journey with blockchain. And with Huobi, so my role is really leading uh, globalization efforts at Huobi and business development. It's been quite a journey for me, actually. So I actually started as chief of staff at Huobi, and I managed listing for Huobi Global and Huobi Japan, Thailand, and all the other local exchanges. And then later on, we realized that because we have so many business units and we have different type of partnership with our partners and they had to talk to so many of us at Hobi and sometimes they get confused. So for a better and one stop really service for all of our partnership, we decided to form this new function called Business Development Partnership Center so that we can offer a more comprehensive partnership to our partners around the globe. And then later on, because of our strategy going forward in 2020 is globalization and global expansion, we decided to separate our marketing, PR, and sales team, Western versus Eastern. As you mentioned earlier, Obi has been known as the largest Asia-based exchange. And this year, we're determined to really go expand in um, other countries around the globe. So we decided to do our structure in this way. And I've been leading this global markets team. Yeah, I think it's a good move to consolidate all BD and partnerships into one team. Because, uh, I mean, running CoinGecko myself, I've seen how sometimes different people from the same exchange or from the same team approaching me. And it kind of get overwhelming because it shows quite obviously that these guys don't talk to each other and they all approach the same guys like me trying to get something done. Yeah, so maybe tell us a little bit more about Hobi. How did you get started? Uh, what was its role in developing the industry in China and maybe Asia and, and globally after that? Yeah, sure. So, right. Uh, Hobi started as an exchange in China and 
it's very like it's very soon, very fast, and then will be became the largest exchange in the world in terms of trading volume. But in um, September fourth, twenty seventeen, when the Chinese government said, you know, it's not okay to operate exchange in China, and then we're gonna be coming up with regulations of the industry, and then will be shut down exchange business in China and moved all of its business related to token and digital assets overseas, and then. Uh, started this OB China entity in China, headquartered in Hainan, and only do blockchain-related kind of business. Um, so we do blockchain research, blockchain education. OB University has already have about over a thousand alumni who are traditional business leads and who wants to learn about blockchain technology. So that's what we've been doing in China. And last year, after President Xi endorsed uh, blockchain industry, and that's the first time ever our president ever endorsed any industry. So, and he really encouraged everyone to learn about blockchain. And we quickly、um, had a management meeting and decided that、uh, we're going to be putting in our efforts to help with Chinese government entities, traditional business. Leads in China to learn about blockchain, and so we held about 200 already、um, information sessions, and we brought our professors and our just blockchain-related experts to different cities around China and、uh, teach them about blockchain. I would like to get your view on fake volume and wash trading. It seems to us that many Asian exchanges are practicing this policy of inflating their volumes to make their markets appear much larger and liquid than what they actually are. It came to a point where、uh, I've told myself that many of these exchanges cheat, and the question is, it's not just if they cheat. We know a lot of them cheat. The question is, are they cheating by ten percent, twenty percent, fifty percent, or ninety percent? Why do you think many of these exchanges cheat and use this fake volume strategy? And how do you tell internally if any exchange are also faking things when you compare and benchmark your performance against the others, for example? Yeah, that's a very good question. So first of all, we don't fake our trading volume, and As、um, when you operate an exchange, it's it's actually easy to tell whether the other exchanges are breaking their volume or not. So to answer the question where you said why they break the trading volume, I think first is because it's marketing, right? They want to attract more users, and especially with this industry, a lot of people don't know about blockchain or digital assets. When they want to go trade, they want to buy crypto. They will go on rating companies, maybe rating websites like CoinGecko, and they'll see, you know, I'll just go for the biggest exchange. And how people rank exchanges is based on trading volume. So they'll just think that, okay, this is the largest exchange, so I can trust it. There are so many people trade on this exchange. That's why they got so much volume. So I should probably just open my account. Uh, with this exchange, and that's I think that's just pure marketing for them. So I have been thinking about this question for a long time, and you know we've been talking about this in the past year or so. The industry itself really need a good, fair, and balanced new ranking system, not like you know some of the other ranking system,、uh, ranking and rating companies, you know like. CMC,、uh, they came up with some new metrics, which I don't think is very fair, like web traffic factor. You know, what about people using apps, right? It just、uh, it's not good. But there are some metrics that you just can't fake and are very crucial 
to to rank exchange and let customers know where people are really trading. So first is asset under management, right? So as an exchange, people deposit their assets onto an exchange to trade. So that means a lot. And the number of assets you manage is really, I think, the factor that determines the size of your business. For V, we manage about 5% of total cryptocurrency. And in that sense, we're only second to Coinbase. And we're you know, managing more assets than um, our other competitors like Binance or OKEx. And we don't do custodian for smaller exchanges. So naturally, we, we hold less assets. So besides assets under management, there are some other better measures like market apps, liquidity, security, compliance, which are all very, very important factors. Liquidity is very, very important for traders or not just uh, institutional traders, but you know, like individual traders as well, because the slippage is very important. It really determines the price that you can get on exchanges and market apps as well. So there are just these factors and other factors like I said earlier, you know, compliance and security, that's really crucial. If you just keep losing thousands of Bitcoins every year, it's not gonna be sustainable at all. And how can people ever trust you if you have this huge security breach issue? And we're very proud to say that, you know, at 4 b we've been, we've been running for seven years and there never has been a major security breach. So customers' assets have been safe with us and we're very determined to be the guardians of our customers' assets and compliance as well. You just have to, as a business that's already been so big and we've been We've been serving you know, millions of customers around the world. It's very important that we do work with calculators and we try our best in putting our efforts for compliance. So every market we go to, like you see on the news, we've been trying our best to apply for licenses, like will be Japan, Thailand, like our DLT license in Gibraltar. And we are also applying for some of the other licenses around the world as well. So compliance is the way that we do. That's one of our top strategy, actually. Yeah, I completely agree with you uh, in the sense that there should not be one single metric to evaluate exchanges. Using web traffic as the metric per se is uh, completely flawed because that metric unfairly advantages certain exchanges and can be game and many other ways. So that's why we at CoinGecko use a trust score, which takes into account web traffic, but it's one of the many factors that we use uh, to take into account exchanges quality. I think what you brought up as well in terms of cybersecurity, in terms of hacking incidences, is a very important point. And I'm very excited to say that CoinGecko will also be tracking cybersecurity and you'll be seeing some of these factors being taken into account for a trust score. You also brought up some other interesting point, which is the asset center management. That's something that is very interesting and I think we should start looking at it more aggressively. One of my next question actually yeah. is, at the start of 20, right, I made 10 predictions for the year. One of the predictions that I made was the solo. For B, OK, Gate, Bitum, Global. We launched their native blockchains to compete against Binance Chain in 2020. I hope they'll be able to build the ecosystem, but I expect things to be tough for them. What value do they bring? Uh, we have to wait and see. I'm quite curious to hear your thoughts on this. I understand that you guys are working with Nervos to launch 4B Chain. What's the plan for 4B Chain and what use cases are you guys planning on it? So it really aligns with our strategy, right? Like I mentioned earlier, 
regulations and compliance. And as the first regulator-friendly financial blockchain, Blockchain aims to enable enterprises, financial institutions, and exchanges to deploy their own blockchain, tokenized assets, and also DeFi services. Since the start of this project, our goal was to create an inclusive ecosystem where all stakeholders, from developers to regulators, can collaborate and leverage the full potential of blockchain technology. And in sticking to this vision, we're now opening the code and inviting the greater blockchain community to help us shape and build the future of decentralized finance. And Hobichain will be optimized for a wide range of financial services and uh, applications. So Hobichain will multi-asset support smart contract capabilities and others to provide enterprise with a high flexibility and to make the whole framework more scalable. And as you asked about differentiation factors for Hobichain, so one of the key differentiators of Hobichain is regulator-friendly design. So Hobichain is the first public chain to support regulatory nodes and let regulators contribute to the network as validators. The chain will also support decentralized identifiers such like KYC verification to meet uh, AML requirements. So if major banks and financial institutions are to fully embrace and adopt permissionless blockchain technology, we need to create a safe and secure environment that make it easier for them to transit their products and services to blockchain. So that's why we think that by ensuring full regulatory compliance, blockchain is well positioned to become a top financial blockchain. About Wobi token. So if I remember correctly, Huobi token was originally sold as points on a Huobi platform, which allows users to buy VIP access for discounted trading fees. Sometime later, these points were converted to Huobi token. What are the use cases of Huobi token these days, and how do you see HT increasing its utility in the future? So, redeem points for VIP and trading fee discounts are only part of the rights and benefits on of HT on Huobi. Quite recently, on June 16th, Hobi Japan listed HT. So it's the first international and big exchange platform token that's accepted as a regulated token in Japan, where we hold um, the Japanese exchange license. So in Japan, crypto payment is widely accepted by more than 50,000 plus stores. And um, Compared to payments in fiat and Bitcoin, first of all, you know, I see prices around $4. It's more, you know, compared to Bitcoin where it's 9,000, it's more convenient for smaller payments like shopping to a hotel. Um, and second of all, world governments are aiming to build a cashless society, especially in, in shades of the COVID-19, the whole situation, economic downturn. And crypto mobile payments can effectively avoid parts and cash contact. We see potential roles HT could play in charity as well and inclusive finance. You know, I lead a hobby charity and did a lot of charity work for COVID-19 situations since the beginning of this year. And we have worked with several corporations like the United Nations South-South Corporation to donate HT for medical supply purchase. And cryptocurrency can also be used as a very effective way to help small medium enterprise to finance you know in the fragile markets indeed it's very interesting about your ht's plan actually let's talk about a uh, hobby's mining pool 
So you guys have a mm -hmm. mining pool that has been operational since March 2018. Currently, it is yep. the eighth largest Bitcoin mining pool with about 5% of all Bitcoin hash rate. Do you think this is a success or do you think it should be better? I'm going to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah, so Hobi Mining Pool was the first exchange-affiliated mining pool that went live in 2018. And soon after it went live, Hobi Mining Pool listed HPT, that's the Hobi Pool token in 2019. And Hobi Mining Pool reached about 321 million in revenue. And uh, Hobi Mining Pool soon launched a mining marketplace with 40% of the Bitcoin's holding costs to be controlled under $4,000. And among the entire exchange affiliated mining pools, we're proud to say that Hobi is at the forefront in terms of computing power, cost control, and uh, profitability. According to you know, BTC.com, I think right now Hobi mining pool is currently listing as the fifth largest. And not many people are aware, but Hobi pool also has an exchange and a token as well called Hobi pool eco for the exchange and Hobi pool token for the token. So this is part of where I'm, I'm a bit confused. Why create a separate exchange and a token? What is the use case of Hobi be pool token? Yeah, the main purpose of HPT release is to retain miners and seize the market share. Hobi is building a global ecosystem. The release of HPT aims to invite and bring miners into this ecosystem. HPT also integrate mining pool into the exchange business. Hobi Mining Pool has designed a new economic models that facilitate circulation between the mining pool token HPT and platform token HT. So mm -hmm. HPT can further empower HT by means of the uh, economic value it creates. And HPT direct buying comes from two populations. So first is miners can enjoy a certain discount by holding, holding HPT. And second, HPT price directly reflects revenue of uh, Hobi mining platform, which is transparent and fair due to the regular repurchase and burning plan. So receive earning by early adoption can be a fair option. And the most practical use of uh, HPT for miners are the VIP services that incorporate into the platform. So like we talked about for HT earlier, um, it's like kind of the same for HVT in this whole mining ecosystem. So for free discounts, payments for other platform products of the ecosystem, etc. So the larger the ecosystem is, the more working scenarios HVT and HT can engage and higher value of the token can increase. So Huobi has been a bit slow in the launch of its derivative markets, HBDM. BitMEX and OKX has always been a leader in this. With the growth, in the spot market slowing down and Binance launching Binance Futures last year, we started seeing all exchanges uh, launching their own derivative exchange, including Huobi with HBDM. What's the plan with HBDM? Do you guys plan to add options uh, and leverage tokens markets as well this year? Yeah, so just to clarify, on May 17th, Huobi DM has rebranded exchange as Huobi Futures okay. as the crypto derivative search. Yeah, in popularity. Yeah, that is a great event for us. So yeah, Hobby Futures has been alive for over a year and a half. And on June 15th, Hobby Futures has just uh, introduced a new futures product that buy quarterly contracts. And these contracts join Hobby successful stable of derivatives trading tools and come. Soon after the success launch of Perpetual Swaps, which 
it was late March, I think. So as you said, it's a true years after the biggest competitor in this space, um, but we did quite well. Our Hobby Perpetual swaps quickly surpassed our biggest competitor like Relax in the markets with a record time of 47 days, and we became the largest perpetual swap trading platform in the world. Similarly, as perpetual swaps, for our contracts trading, we are also years later than our other competitors like OKX Special is the right now is the biggest futures exchange. The option product is currently undergoing pre-launch testing. Exact date uh, has not been set, but I'm sure it will meet the public very, very soon. So stay tuned with Swobby Futures. It's a great team. They've just got all the skill sets and uh, professionalism to run a very successful derivatives exchange. They've got the best risk management, risk control protocols in place to protect our users from great volatility, like, you know, March 12th's major crash of the Bitcoin price. Liquidation volume on Hobby Futures is the smallest among all of our other competitors. Like I said earlier, we are already, in terms of volume, bigger than the next, but our liquidated volume on that day was only about 18% of what happened on Big Macs. Yeah, I think um, consumer protection is important. Like we don't want to get like consumers to lose unnecessarily too much, especially during large market crashes like what we saw in March. So Huobi has been active in the IO market last year, but the market seems to have died off. What are your thoughts on the IO market these days? Yeah, so in terms of listing, you know, first of all, this market and industry have been very, very fast evolving and developing, changing. And listing have been changed quite a few times on Huobi and on all of the other exchanges. We have been taking listing very seriously recently. And as you can see from last fall till now, we really didn't list any new token besides Hive. And we recently listed Origin. And that was pretty much the only tokens that we listed. We have been very considerate on the quality of the asset that we list. We want to be able to provide the best and most secure assets to our exchange users. And I think that's why we have been, you know, listing very slowly. And like you said earlier, we have been not very active on the IU market. And I believe that's a good strategy. And that really shows our whole you know, value system and who we are and what we stand for. If you look at IEO projects uh, in the past about a year or so, when we stopped listing, the other projects that our competitors listed as IEO project really didn't do that well. And um, there's a lot of you know, like speculation. And to be able to provide a healthier environment to our exchange users. Like I said earlier, we have been taking those metrics very seriously. And right now, getting listed on Hobi is very hard. Yeah, uh, indeed, indeed. I think not listing bad tokens is one of the key things in taking care of your users. Yeah, I think we kind of reached the end of the podcast. Before we end it, the last question, if someone's interested to learn more about Hobi, where's the best place to follow and learn more? Well, first of all, you can always find me on my Twitter at Ciara Hobi. And since our seventh anniversary is coming very soon, we'll be launching a website upgrade and a blog upgrade 
24 hours per se, and all of the latest news and data about Hopi's business will be shared on our official blog. And we also aim to build consistent and close relationship with media and general public. So if you know anyone who wants to make any inquiry, you can just send questions to media at hobi.com. Our staff will add you or our media contact list will and we'll share our monthly events, news, and press release in our newsletter. Sounds good, Sierra. Yeah, thanks a lot for taking the time to come on the CoinGecko podcast. We really appreciate your time and we learned some new stuff about Hobi today. Yeah, thank you so much. I really had fun, you know, very chill conversation. Yeah, same here, same here. All right, that wraps up the show. Thank you for listening to the CoinGecko podcast with Bobby. If you like our show and want to know more, check out podcast.coingecko.com or please leave us a review on iTunes. If you have any feedback, do drop us an email at hello at coingecko.com. Join us for more next week. See ya! This podcast is provided as part of the overall information on cryptocurrency contained on our website, is for your general information only, and does not howsoever constitute any endorsement, financial or investment advice, nor any solicitation or offer of securities or other financial instruments. CoinGecko and the podcast presenter makes no warranties, implied or expressed, of any kind in relation to this podcast, including, without limitation, the accuracy and updatedness of its content. All opinions and recommendations there in the podcast are based on the personal opinion of the presenter. Please conduct your own research and procure professional advice should you, at your own risk, decide to howsoever invest or trade in relation to the content contained in the podcast.